Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is T. Frank Carr. And T. Frank, we keep inching closer and closer to actual football. Are you as excited as I am? I'm one of those people that I have nightmares still about being on stage and not knowing my lines. So I wish I could do all the film prep right now so that when we go into the season, I know everything I need to know. But uh, that's not how it works. So I'm still I'm still using the off season in air quotes to uh, brush up on some West Virginia to get a, a look at some of the high school uh, teams. And I said this the other day. This is genuinely true of me. I'm a person who FOMOs really hard. So when I know that there's a bunch of high school film I want to watch, and then there's a bunch of NFL stuff I want to watch for my own, you know, personal satisfaction, and then I know college football is looming, like, it's just a tidal wave of football, which is both good and bad, because there's so many things that you miss some of it. So I'll, I I balance those two things in my mind, but that's just generally how I work, is that, like, it, you know, I'm an excited person that doesn't like to be bored, but then it tends to be, like, there's a lot going on, so... I'm I'm excited to to put the weights back on my shoulders and start getting back to work. Well, T. Frank, I'm calling it all good, okay? No downside <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Before we get started today, I... I'm a huge bummer. You are. Come on, <laughs> T. Frank. Well, I'm going to talk about some more good stuff. Talking about the season upcoming, West Virginia game, week and a half till we get there, and I am so happy to announce we at Keystone Sports, along with Happy Valley United, that's the Penn State Collective, we're going to be hosting a tailgate event for the West Virginia game. There's a lot of great reasons to join us. Of course, we're going to have barbecue from, you got it, our friends at 409 Tailgate Club. Uh, T. Frank, they have incredible smoked pulled pork. Their wings are phenomenal. But it's not just the 409 stuff. We've got incredible beer from our good friends at Greater Good Brewing. They have their products like this Pulp Daddy, which is my personal favorite. It's an IPA. If you love good beer, you got to show up. Hopefully, Paul will be there. He's the founder, a Penn State guy. And if you want to learn more about them, you could go to greatergoodimperials.com. But if you're a wine drinker, we also have you covered. That's right. Blue and white wines will be there. T. Frank with the thumbs up. I know you've tried their stuff. It's fantastic. If you want to learn more about them, they're at blueandwhitewines.com. But this is all happening at the Revel XP lot. If you want more information and how to get tickets, go to happyvalleyunited.com. Go to the About tab. It goes into the events, and it'll tell you all about it. All right, T. Frank, let's get to some actual Penn State football now. Penn State got a new commitment, Messiah Mickens, first of all, five-star name, 5'10", 200 (laughs) pounds about, but he's in the class of 26. Before you tell us about Messiah, just your thoughts on getting a commitment from a kid. He just finished his freshman season. He's approaching his sophomore year and already making a college commitment. Yeah, uh, some guys, they, they know, right? And they know, and it's tough to say because he's seen some schools, but you do a lot of growing up. But right now in the moment for what he believes and what he wants, he was all in on Penn State. 
and uh, you know Penn State. They the way they handle these is they go, "Are you sure?" And the player says, "Yeah." And they go, "No, no, 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 no. Are you really sure? Think about it." So you know this was actually something that I think they pushed off a little bit. And finally, he was so so adamant about it that he decided to commit. And um, a bit of a surprise commitment, I think, for most of us Saturday night. I know I was at I was out of town. I was on vacation. I didn't, you know, we weren't there, ready, locked in on this one uh, for Penn State to get somebody in the class of twenty twenty six. But a good sign. Uh, there's there's a lot of things that go into to me a running back committing. We did this with Keandre Barker earlier this year of a guy who's in the 2025 class and running back is all about speed and your athleticism. And, you know, for a guy to earn a Penn State commitment and for Penn State to commit to, commit to that guy means that they are fairly certain this guy's going to be a high level athlete at that running back position, which is what you want to continue to build if you're Penn State. And with Mickens, you know, he came up and camped to Penn State and was one of the best running backs. So they they do this thing at Penn State camps where it's very helpful. Each class has a different colored shirt. So, you know, the, the seniors are in white, blue, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he is, you know, in the sophomore color, which is gray, and he looks like a senior. So that's a great sign for a guy who you 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 want to have uh, commit early. And yet, despite the fact that he's this big kid, as you mentioned, 5'10", 195, still looks young, still looks like he has room to grow and develop. So how he develops over the next couple of years, I know uh, he's a running back for Penn State. I think you could list him as athlete because he's in he's going into his sophomore season. But he uh, with Keandre Barker and with with uh, Messiah Mickens, what I'm trying to get at is they're good enough athletes that Penn State feel comfortable getting these guys several years in advance. So not only is Penn State getting these talents, but they're getting them early and locked up. So it's it's a great thing for the position. And Jaywan Sider, I mean, out until 2026, he's got running backs like uh, he's going to be retired by the time uh, all of these running backs are out of uh, out of the program like he's building stuff in in advance basically like it's like a 401k for running backs that he's got all of this future talent so uh, it's a great position for Penn State and Jaywan Sider and that position what they've been able to do all the way back to Saquon Barkley I mean it's a hallmark of Penn State under James Franklin and T Frank it's not just roster filler they're not just okay this is a pretty good player these are elite players that they're getting at the position. And as you said, they're filling it out through 26. Let's talk a little bit more about Mickens, though. Uh, at 195, I saw another place listed at 200 pounds. For a kid who's just going into his sophomore season, that's already a pretty big kid. What could you tell us about his style of running? Who is he like? Is he the big, strong runner? Is he shifty, elusive, fast? What are the traits that he carries? So I will be completely transparent here. I have not really seen a whole lot of Messiah Mickens because he's in class of 2026. Uh, and I had Ethan Grunkmeyer film to watch this weekend, plus West Virginia. So like there's only so many hours in the day uh, and I did not get a chance to to watch Mickens, but I've seen him in person. So I've seen him run. He is a physical kid. Um, there's a lot of pop and explosiveness in his movement skills. And he's able to... I think transition really well for a kid who is 200 pounds. So he carries his weight. Well, he, you know, he, he is, uh, you could project him to be that kind of like power runner, but in terms of his style and, and stylistically and all those things, I know he scored, I think it was 18 touchdowns for Trinity, I, but I don't have a good sense for like, 
is he like X or Y? Um, but his running style, I think when you look at why Penn State wanted to bring a kid like this on board, you see the size, but the movement skills, his ability to cut laterally and explode um, a little bit high. I think watching him run, he's a little upright in terms of his cutting. He wasn't getting super low, like squatting down into that cut like some guys you've seen at Penn State. Um, so just some kind of cursory things, but in terms of, uh, his, his full running style. I typically wait until these guys are juniors or seniors to do a full film evaluation because so, so much stuff is going to change about him in the next couple of years where he's going to grow and develop and, and find new tools. So, I, you know, other than watching him and seeing that he's faster than a lot of guys on his uh, his level of competition and he's, you know, what you want to see in your highlight film from a running back is, oh, there's not much for me to glean here because he's bigger, faster, and stronger, and he just ran away from a bunch of kids uh, on the football field. And he did that as a freshman. So all those telltale signs of, of what he is are very encouraging for Penn State. And I did watch a bit of his tape also, and it's incredible watching him and saying, oh, my goodness, he's a, he's a baby. He's a freshman at the time. So what is he, like 15 years old, outrunning these 18-year-olds who are on the field? So it's really impressive. Uh, T. Frank, let's talk about this as far as recruiting in general. When you have someone now in the 25 class, 26 class, how does that affect the rest of the recruiting? If you've got what appears to be a really stud-type running back under your belt already, does that not filter through and have a, a, a positive effect on the rest of the recruiting? Well, it can't hurt. I think that this is the thing when it comes to recruiting – you have to look at this as a cumulative effect. Everything matters, so no one individual thing will matter. But anything you have in your advantage, this is this is why it's a, never a satisfying answer when you ask somebody who covers recruiting of like, hey, does it matter if they beat Michigan? And it's like, yeah, that helps, but it's not the ultimate deciding factor. Does winning the Rose Bowl in national TV over Utah with big explosive touchdowns, does that help Penn State recruiting? Yes, but it's not going to put them over the top with a bunch of California recruits the way you might think. It's all about the individual player and the experience. And I'll bring up Keandre Barker again because I just found this super interesting. Is He wants to go to Penn State because Saquon Barkley went to Penn State and that's his favorite player. That's nothing that has to do with the class of 24. That has nothing to do with the class of the Penn State 2023 season, 2022 that's because Saquon Barkley went to Penn State. That was his main reason he decided to commit to the Nittany Lions early. Mickens, um, his coaches are all Penn State alums. Jordan Hill, Mike Mowdy, both Penn State football players at Trinity. Um, you know, some of the other staff members uh, are, are Penn State alums as well. So there's a strong influence there. And these are the things that can lead a guy to go to Penn State. But then there are other places where there are Penn State alums that are coaching where Penn State hasn't gotten guys yet. So it's just... Any one thing, if Mickens is a is a incredibly dynamic person that a lot of people are drawn to, and he can be that class recruiter, that can absolutely help. But don't know that quite yet. Certain teams or certain players, uh, especially top 100 players, they're going to want to go where they can go to the NFL. Guys succeeding in the NFL, Tig Brown, all these things are going to have an added effect, effect on whether or not the class of 26 is successful. So, um, again, a very dissatisfying answer. It helps. But I, there, there's nothing about Mickens or even look at 25 where you've got three players committed. Um, there's nothing about those individual players specifically that's going to say to you, this is going to be an elite class because it's going to be about the coaches going out on the road and putting in the work and winning on the field and making those connections and having NIL money. All of these things rolled together is successful recruiting. 
And it's why James Franklin talks about like you can't miss in any area. You can't lose to another institution in any area because some kid, you know, going back to the dorm room thing, might want to have his own single occupancy dorm, bed size, location, all those things are going to matter. So not to give you the the stock answer, but there's a reason that you get it all the time is because it's the truth. It, you know, it's, it's a bunch of different factors. Oh, come on, T. Frank. We like black and white answers. Forget the shades of gray. But you did bring up a great point about Saquon Barkley, and that's the one thing I do think happens is good recruiting at a position leads to more good recruiting there. Yep. Ohio State's wide receivers is probably the most obvious example of it. But at Penn State, it appears they're back to having that legacy of running backs. We see it at tight end. Fingers crossed they might start to see it at quarterback with Drew Aller. All right, that's it for quarter number one. Stick around. T. Frank already teased it. He's been scouting Ethan Grunkmeyer. We're going to hear more about that in Q2. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim. He is T. Frank. And our quarter two segment is brought to you by our friends at GoPSURV.com. If you still haven't found that place to stay when you're going in for the Happy Valley for the football weekend, check out gopsurv.com. This is where they have the RV sitting there ready for you. Have a great weekend. You get to essentially tailgate for the entire weekend. And they also are running a couple specials for the Indiana and Rutgers game. $400 off for those games. If you want to find out more, Go to gopsurv.com, or you could call 800-519-8467. All right, T. Frank, in quarter number one, you kind of tease this, that you've been scouting class of 24 quarterback Ethan Grunkmeyer. He started his season already, T. Frank. I just want to throw these stats out there for his first game. 
444 passing yards, four mm-hmm. passing touchdowns, 27 of 34 passing, close to 80%. He also had 80 rushing yards and a rushing TD. All those numbers, what, what impressed you the most with all of that? Uh, so the completion percentage, I think, is the thing that stands out to me because there's a lot of things that can go into um, the passing yards. And, and not that he, I don't want to not give him credit, but you, you look at the film and you want to break down how did those yards happen. Um, the passing touchdowns and the efficiency of what he did was truly impressive. And, you know, I got into that. I broke all of his film down. I I shouldn't say all of it. Uh, You know, we looked at the highlight film and I broke down which throws to me were impressive and why. And you come out of that game saying, okay, maybe uh, the Toledo team they were playing wasn't the best in the world, but Ethan maximized most of his throws through efficiency and through, you know, things that translate, not necessarily guys are open and you're just thrown to wide open players that happens some of the time, but he was generating a lot of those yarded, uh, a lot of those yards and, and a lot of yards after catch. So you look at, you look at the, um, you know, kind of the breakdown of the throws. And that's what really impressed me was there were a lot of things that you saw from him last year and from this summer during the camp circuit that um, you saw him apply directly to the field and made him a more efficient, effective quarterback. And one of the reasons he's a top 10 quarterback for on three in the national ranking, why he was bumped all the way up to that that uh, top 200 in the nation, he proved that it's not a mirage, it's not a camp circuit thing, that he can translate all those things to the field and be a highly effective quarterback. And I think if you're a Penn State fan, you should be very excited about his uh, his ability so far. Long way to go in the season, but a really good first game for Ethan Grunkmeyer. Now, T. Frank, we've been doing this long enough that we had conversations about Drew Aller as an underclassman in high school and how he developed and improved along the way till when he was a senior in high school. It seems like that same course is going on for Ethan Grunkmeyer, that he ha- is going up the rankings. He really uh, just was a rocket going up the rankings during the offseason. But what are the things that you could pinpoint that are different about him now than he was as an underclassman? Um, so some of the things are, are more schematic that I was impressed with and that I wanted to see from the offense for Tanji more than it was specifically Ethan. And part of this is the quarterback. The quarterback decides where he's going to throw the football on every play. But in that offense, there was a lot of filler is what I, and I it's unfair to call it that. But like if you take the uh, cheat code style of things in a college offense from swing screens, reading the numbers and, and basically extensions of the run game, the quarterback isn't doing a whole lot on those plays. I want to see development from not not just full field reads, but also using the full field. And he used the middle of the field very effectively. Um, that is not something I saw consistently from this offense last year. And I think that's a major improvement. Um, they went five wide. They did a lot of spread, which they did last year. But it wasn't, again, it wasn't just those bubble screens. It wasn't just hitch routes. It was uh, more complicated routes where you have to throw timing, anticipation. You have to trust your receiver to throw into some windows. And he did all of those things, and he did it with accuracy that we know from him that we saw last year. And that's really the thing is you talk about Drew Aller, and Drew Aller made this major transformation 
from a guy who had kind of a classic throwing uh, motion and a guy who had, you know, some inefficiencies in the way he threw because he threw like a pitcher. Ethan's had a higher floor this entire time because he's just had this natural rhythm to his throwing that, uh, you know, talking to uh, his QB coach, Brad Mandler, that coached both of these guys, um, you know, he, he, my assessment, this is me saying this, I think he started from a position farther ahead than Drew did. And he has just refined that. So last year he was accurate. He made great decisions, had some inaccuracies. This year he has great accuracy. He's now placing the ball specifically where he wants it, not just throwing to the frame of the receiver. And uh, he's making great decisions with the football and he's more consistent than he was last year. So it's an enhancement of what I thought were standout traits to begin with watching his film. And it's getting to a point that I think it's a separator factor, like where he can elevate an offense because of his accuracy and his precision with where he puts the football and his decision-making skills. Now that last part, the decision-making skills, that's going to be something we learn about throughout the season because there was some, uh, some obvious coverage. So when you're the quarterback, you've got to understand what you're seeing. And the team he was playing was playing a lot of cover one, playing a lot of cover three, you know, single high. We're going to, we're going to show you what we're doing and we're going to beat you at those positions, you know, kind of like one-on-one basketball. And they did not do that. So he had, he had some pretty clear reads and he made some excellent throws because of that. Does he see stuff that confuses him or frustrates him later in the season? That's going to be something else I'm looking for later on in his film. If we get to that, because there's going to be, you know, a Rutgers film to review at some point. Of course you can't overlook that film. Uh, T Frank, maybe I'll take the Delaware week. I'll just, I, I'll, I'll watch Grunk Meyer instead of Delaware. We'll see. I think that would be a wise decision. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about something that I know Mike Yersich in looking for his quarterback, he's looking for the the passing skill. But, Mm -hmm. and I said this about Drew Aller, I thought there was more mobility there than I expected from him. You know, such a big guy. Now, Ethan Grunkmeyer, Mike Yersich is bringing him in because of the way he can throw the ball. I did see this, you know, he had 80 rushing yards in the highlights. I did see his one rushing touchdown. He seemed to, you know, make a nice play to escape, leaped into the end zone, the corner of the end zone. It seemed to me to show some athleticism. Is there something Mm -hmm. there with his mobility? How mobile a quarterback is he? So I want to focus first on him as a passer, because again, this is another one of the the traits that I think is a, it goes beyond uh, just he's mobile and he can move around and he can throw. He is highly accurate when he is off platform and he, he resets really quickly so he can get out of a jam reset and throw and throw to where, you know, again, stay within the structure of the play, but make up for the offense and the offensive line. If there's pressure Um, and he extends the play very well as a scrambler looking downfield, understanding the coverage and waiting for his receiver to hit the weak point of the defensive coverage scheme. That is something that you don't normally see from quarterbacks. And this is something he showed last year and, you know, uh, kind of the, the overhyped comparison, you know, you want to go to the very top. If you're comparing style and let's just take like, uh, let's say Lamar Jackson and uh, and Josh Allen are in one group, and then you've got Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes in another. He's more like Patrick Mahomes in the style of he's going to scramble and make those plays and throw off platform more so than be a runner. But he does have the legs to scramble and to get out of jams and to get those extra yards. If if you were saying this in the in the context of the offensive running scheme, he's going to do enough to keep you honest. 
that that's, you know, I think that's the way they, they categorize Drew Aller for, you know, his rushing abilities. He's going to hold on to the ball. He's going to keep the ball in those zone read option situations enough time to slow down the defensive end because he can in a straight line uh, run for some good yardage and he'll, you know, shake off an arm tackle and fall forward. Grunkmeyer is a little more elusive, a little more agile, and I think he's got a little more explosiveness to him. But I don't know that he is quite Sean Clifford in terms of straight line speed and, and that. And that's something that can develop, by the way, at Penn State, where he can get faster. I do think that there's more to gain from that side of his game. So he can be one of these complete quarterbacks that scrambles around, and even when the defense is right, he's going to find a way to make you wrong. And again, these are these are potentials that he can develop into if his mind and his you know his game develop at the rate we expect. There's always the unexpected that happens, and we're, we'll find out where his weaknesses are as he evolves. But the building blocks and the baseline of what he has is the kind of quarterback I want to have on my team that will mentally beat you and has the physical skills to execute what his brain is telling him to do. And I really, I'm excited by quarterbacks like that because they create some of the, the fun you see in football of these big chunk plays. And I, I think he's got the ability to do that. Well, the part of your comment that I like, T. Frank, is that having that mobility, escapability, but still looking up and being able to throw the ball. That's where big plays happen. And yep. we see that, you, you know, the comparison to Patrick Mahomes, you know, we see that with him and going to Penn State way. Trace McSorley did that often. He used his mobility to get himself in position to make throws. All right, we're talking about all the positives. How, how about things that you think he still needs to work on, T. Frank? Well, honestly, when you complete nearly 80% of your passes, there there was not a whole lot where you have to say, you know what? I think you could fix this. There were a couple of plays where when he was challenged with, you know, and I'm watching this and I'm, I'm trying to look at it from his perspective of, okay, what's the coverage shell? And they threw a couple at him that I was like, that could be this or that. And what he did is he checked the ball down. He threw to, you know, kind of a, a mesh concept underneath where he wasn't pushing it into the second level of the defense. And that's a good thing to do. Like if you aren't sure, make a, make a secure play, maybe one or two passes where he's sometimes when he's rolling out, I believe it's to his right. And he throws on the run if it's like a roll, if it's like a bootleg or something like that, he can throw a little high. He's not quite as accurate going that way. But I mean, we're talking about the difference of one throw in 30. So it was a really clean game from Ethan Grunkmeyer. I just want to say something to like give you something here, but really he was good. <laughs> and there was not a whole lot I had to say about anything else. What you saw on the highlight film, that's what happened in the game. He was he was really good. Well, T Frank, when you go. 444 yards, four passing TDs, complete 80% of your passes, and oh, by the way, run for another 80 yards and run for another touchdown. Yeah, that that is pretty good. I don't care if you're playing against air. You know, completing 80% at the high school level is fantastic. All right, T. Frank, yeah. that is it for quarter number two and your evaluation of Ethan Grunkmeyer in his first game. We look forward for, to a couple weeks forward with the Delaware game when you can do some more scouting of high school players. We always enjoy that. But for right now, we're looking forward to quarter number three. And you know what? This is where you take over the show. We take your questions and we ask T. Frank. Stay tuned for that. 
Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's T. Frank. I'm Jim. This is quarter number three. Yes, you know what that means. It's time to ask T. Frank. You get to take over the show. You send us your questions. T. Frank gives us the absolute perfect answer. None of that shade of gray kind of stuff. Black or white, he will give us the actual answer. (laughs) At the end of the segment, he will pick out the best question. Whoever sent it to us will win the prize pack from GoPSURV.com. What did I say? I said the wrong one. This is it'll be from 409 Tailgate Club. Stop having so much fun, Jim. <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop having so much fun. Get to the read. <laughs> go PSURV is where you go for RVs. 409 yeah. Tailgate Club is where you go for the sauces and the rubs. Okay, we got that straight. And if you want to send a question to T Frank, all you got to do download our app. Keystone Sports. See, I got that one correct, uh, T. Frank. Keystone Sports. Download it. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button, and there you go. All right, let's get to the questions so I can finish my ad-libbing. Let's start with Ryan in Lakeland, Florida. He says, T. Frank, it's no secret that stopping the run was the weakness of last year's defense. So when T. Frank reports that the defense dominated the open practice last week, against an offense whose strength is its run game, that gives me hope for this year's run defense. Am I jumping the gun by saying that this year's defense will fare better against Michigan's run-heavy offense? We had to go almost, almost did it. Almost got through the whole thing without using the M word. But yeah, listen, and I, th- this is not just me. I've talked to other experts. I talked to former football players. When we watched the film of the Michigan game, it wasn't like the defensive tackles were being put on their ass. They were beaten by a couple of feet. 
here and there, couple of inches and big holes developed because of that, because of a couple of different factors. They also did things on film. I'm going to say this again. And Ryan, you might be new to the show. They did things that were not on film that Michigan didn't play anybody that challenged them through the first month and a half of the season. So when they went into the, the Penn state game, they were pulling out schemes that they had not had to use anywhere in the first six or five games or whatever it was. So that was a surprise. Penn State adjusted to that, but they did enough of those things that it was a cumulative effect. So I'm just going to keep saying that. And I, you know, like shouting into a hurricane, there's no point to it, but I just can't help myself because like factually, there are very few things, as you said in the open, like where it's like math and there's a real answer. That Michigan game, the perception is different than the reality. And whether or not it helps that I say it over and over again, I don't know. But yes. They are bigger and more physical up front this year. James Franklin has been very happy about that. He's been talking about that and rewarding those players with praise for the effort they put in. Uh, Hakeem Beeman, Jordan Vandenberg, those guys are both bigger and stronger this year. Jordan Vandenberg has always had the athletic potential, but he has needed to learn football. Third year in the program, that athleticism is starting to show up. One of the players talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago where uh, he flashed during that scrimmage where he's getting in the backfield. He's being disruptive the way that he uh, knows how to be disruptive with his athleticism. And this is another thing Manny Diaz talked about during uh, training camp. I believe he talked to Adam Brenneman about this on the, his next up podcast where their understanding of how he wants to stop the run, which is different than other schemes. There's stylistic differences where they do things differently than even Brent Pry, who had a similar defense out of the same family tree. And their understanding what they're supposed to do this year is better than it was last year because, surprise, they've had a year of knowledge. They have that institutional knowledge now to be better at doing the schemes of this defense. So, yes, it is better, and you should be encouraged. Is it going to be lights out? No. They are still going to be sort of bend but don't break, but also a little bit of boom and bust where they're going to get tackles for loss. They're going to be playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage, but they might give up a couple of plays here and there. So there's, there's many Diaz's scheme in general is kind of built on these risk reward, take big chances style things. The running game is one of those. So if you're looking for a traditional Penn state is going to clog up running lanes and give up 79 yards rushing in a game. I don't know that they're ever going to be that team unless their offense is so, or their, their, you know, their, their talent is so dominant. So, yes, be encouraged, but the Michigan game, like, they weren't that far off. What you may think is different than the reality. They weren't necessarily that far off from a physical standpoint. It was as much tactical as it was physical. So they will, by definition, they will be close this year as long as Michigan doesn't, again, outcoach, outfox the, the, the team during that game, which, again, is going to be at home, and Penn State doesn't get blown out at home. So, you know, there so many factors into that question of, yes, you should feel encouraged. And by the You're way, you're not winning, will... Ryan. Sorry, we're not <laughs> just going to start. We're throwing that out right here. I answered that question 16,000 times this offseason. I appreciate the, the new spin, but uh, I'm eliminating that one from uh, from competition for the win. Just in case will... that disincentivizes more Michigan run game questions. I will come to the defense of Ryan and the Penn State fans, and I'll put some of the heat on James Franklin with his comments after the Michigan game led to some of this. When he talked yeah. about Penn State being bigger, he he created some of this, T. Frank. All right, let's go to Mike in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, who says, T. Frank, love your analysis. 
After recent practices, you mentioned Drew Aller still struggles with foot footwork and accuracy on certain throws, even while progressing nicely. Can you talk about what this might look like to the average fan? Most plays just take a few seconds and seem to require more instinct and reaction by a quarterback than perfect technique. Would love to know what this should look like when done well. Thank you. Um. Okay, so he, on the show, I believe is last week or the week before after the open practice, we, we talk, I, I just talked about a couple of throws from practice and generally a theme that, that has developed with Drew from what we saw mostly on film last year. So I don't want to take my priors and make that concrete, right? So this is just an observation of a couple throws in the rain against the defense during a scrimmage where it's scripted and, you know, they, they are in situational stuff. So when he gets sped up, when the defense applies pressure, sometimes his footwork breaks breaks down. He gets a little bit, he rushes things. So the ball will come out and it won't be, if you're, if you're watching here on the YouTube channel and you're throwing a screen, right? You're throwing a, a, a zero route where the, the receiver just turns and he's getting his hands in front of him to catch the football. The ball needs to be on his face mask, his chest, somewhere in this area. And if you're really good and you want to do, you know, like a swing screen, you lead him upfield into the blocking properly. Drew threw the ball high and away. So the receiver had to jump to go get it on a screen where timing and every millisecond matters. So the receiver's body position is bad when he comes down for the football. So that's something you can look for. You know, this is, uh, you know, and I made the comparison to Sean Clifford and and some of his throws, making the easy things look easy during his preseason game against the Packers in week one, where he threw some just standard throws that quarterbacks make at the feet of his tight end because his hips and his his shoulder and everything weren't aligned because they think he was rushing some of those throws. So that's just an example of something you might see in that situation. Pressure is going to create these things, but it's not just always physical pressure in your face. Sometimes it's the mental pressure of the defense is giving you something you're not comfortable with, or you're just generally uncomfortable because the defense is ahead of you, right? So they're, they're applying game pressure in, in terms of they are anticipating what you're doing and the, the windows are tight, et cetera, et cetera. And again, I just want to context this one more time. It was a passing a performance in the rain where they weren't focusing on throwing the football. They were focusing on the run game in that practice. So he didn't have a lot of opportunities to then make up for these. But when he did throw that same pass later, it was right on the it was right on the money. And that's the thing with Drew that I think is really important is he'll make a mistake and then he'll immediately correct it. He's a guy that you can see the progression even in the blue white game of somebody who made a mistake or is working through some of his things he needs to improve upon. And you see him applying that stuff in real time because he's able to control himself under pressure and and deliver so i think that both sides of that need to be kind of addressed in this question because it's a good question but i don't want people to take these things out of context and then run with them later which is going to happen anyway but i have to cover my bases all right let's move on to alex from saint mary's who says t frank in your opinion what makes a wide receiver a slot receiver when I think of a slot, I think of a receiver that's too short to play on the outside, but they're fast, twitchy enough to run away from a linebacker. However, receivers like Keandre Lambert-Smith, 6'1", Liam Clifford, mm-hmm. 6'1", are considered slots when Trey Wallace at 6'1", Evans at six foot, and Cephas at six foot are considered outside receivers. So am I overthinking the height portion of the equation, yes. or am I missing something else? 
Yeah, uh, height is not in, is not the determining factor. It's your overall skill set. Um, so physicality is one of the bigger things. So when you are the X or the Z, the receivers that are on the outside of the line of scrimmage, somebody has to be on the end of the line of scrimmage covering up the tackle. And anyone who wants to be an eligible receiver inside the formation has to be off the line of scrimmage uh, to be an eligible receiver. So if you have a tight end on the line of scrimmage, both of your receivers are going to be off the line of scrimmage on that side of the formation. And if the receiver's on the end, you, you get it. Like you have to have five eligible receivers. So the slot is protected from press coverage more because the slot is, is always off the line of scrimmage. And by the way, if both receivers are on the line of scrimmage, great indicator it's a run play, uh, maybe even a screen to that side. So you've got to uh, have the physicality and Trey Wallace, physical receiver, can jump, good in single contested catch situations. That's why he's an X. Um, you, you look at Dante Cephas, great separator at the line of scrimmage, great agility to get off. Not the strongest, biggest guy in the world, but it's hard to get hands on him, kind of like a basketball player. And then uh, Amari Evans, what I'm finding out is that that dude will box with you. So he's a physical dude and he's fast. So deep speed, that deep threat to the outside. It's more about change of direction and short area quickness and route running on the interior because you have what's what is called a two way go. You can run a route inside or outside where the receivers on the outside of the field, if they go out, the sideline is there. So you have more lateral space to work with. And Liam Clifford, a big body receiver, runs really good routes, good, secure hands. I don't want to make him sound like a tight end because he's got good speed, but his job is to find holes in zones and destroy zones. So that's kind of that's that's uh, an element of the position. And more importantly, and I think this is kind of the evolution of football that we need to understand, moving a really talented receiver into the slot can create matchup advantages with safeties, linebackers and other guys, unless you're going to play coverage that then obviously dictates we're moving our number one corner into the slot. And this is man, which gives you an indication pre-snap. I mean, Julio Jones played a lot of uh, snaps in the slot late in his career when the Falcons evolved their offense. So any receiver that has the ability to run the route tree on the interior can be a, a slot receiver. And it goes down to your, your route running, your agility, your separation skills. And Keandre Lambert Smith is an electric route runner. He has to be more consistent in that, but he can get open very quickly when he's not pressed. Very good. T Frank. That's it for quarter. Number three, stick around quarter four. T Frank's going to name the winner. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, 
local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim. He's T. Frank. We're talking Penn State football. Quarter three, we did our Ask T. Frank segment where we took your questions, T. Frank. We did a total, grand total of three questions. Good opportunity for everybody. Who's your winner? And plus, you already eliminated one of them. So the yeah. two that are left yeah. get a 50-50 chance of winning. Who do you have? Yeah, I talked for four minutes about the question that I uh, said at the end. We're not, we're not considering this one. That's, that's how T. Frank rolls, you know, so... Great radio there, I guess. But uh, Alex and St. Mary's, I enjoyed that question about slot receiver and understanding. So coaches will downplay this. This is a thing that that is a little bit frustrating for me at times because coaches will downplay this and they'll say like, you know, best player, we're going to get him the ball, et cetera. And like not care as much about the positional differentiators and like everybody can play everywhere. But you do have to build a depth chart and you do have to have a primary position for these guys. So the, the differences between, you know, Harrison Wallace and, and Amari Evans, they're putting these guys in these positions for a specific reason. And I think that's important to understand and to, to share. So I really enjoyed that question because it, it illuminated why you're putting Keandre Lambert Smith in the slot, moving him from that X position to the slot and kind of how his career, it informs how a guy's career goes as well, because there's a lot of, uh, maybe last year Keandre didn't get as many opportunities, not just because of the injury, but because of the position he plays. And, and maybe Trey Wallace this year is not going to get as many opportunities and is going to be kind of a big play threat because of his, you know, place in the offense and ex- a bunch of different things that that kind of go out from that decision of where you're putting guys. So I like that question. So Alex, you're you're getting some bonus time on the answer there, and you're going to be the winner today. I was going to say, Alex. T. Frank liked your question so much, he answered it twice, in Q3 and in Q4. (laughs) But I've also, just my added point on wide receivers, so much of it is dependent on the quarterback throwing them the ball. Yes, I know, get open and they'll get you the ball. But we've seen that's not always the case. Sometimes a quarterback will look one way and won't look the other way. So that's part of it and getting the opportunity. And if you notice, it's no coincidence that Keandre Lambert-Smith got more catches and more looks the last couple games while Parker Washington was out. That wasn't a coincidence. Uh, There there was reason to that. All right, T. Frank, how about we get to our actual topic for Q4? You've begun your scouting report on West Virginia. You've gotten so far through the defense. So let's talk about West Virginia's defense. I'll start out with a couple of numbers for you. Uh, Last year, statistically, they allowed 30 points per game on average. Mm -hmm. And that includes they allowed seven points to Towson, which was in that calculation. In Big 12 play, they allowed over 30 points in seven of 10 games and over 40 points five times on the season. This was not a great defense last year, was it? No, it wasn't. Um, 
so I, I, this is something I, I'm by the time you see this or hear this, I may have already written this over at bluewhiteillustrated.com, but the West Virginia defense is designed to cause confusion both for the opposing quarterback and for themselves. They do too many things. They, they Last year, they just did too many things, and it's a hallmark of a Big 12 defense where you're trying to keep a lid on these explosive passing attacks, and you put so many players in deep coverage, and you put them in so many different situations. They've got so many things to remember that they, they make mistakes. Like, these are not professionals. Not all these guys are playing in the NFL. So you've got a lot of mental errors, and you've got a lot of uh, physical errors as well that, honestly, like, I'm surprised how well they play, given that I think their defensive structure looks like spaghetti. There's nothing that makes any sense to me. It's just a tangled mess of nonsense. And everybody's a safety. Everybody can run and cover, except nobody can really run and cover all that well specifically. <laughs> so it it is what it is. And what it is is <sighs> to me like I, I did do not enjoy watching this defense. Well, let's let's try to make some sense of it. Uh, T. Frank. You said it's a tangled mess, but what concepts are there? What are they trying to do? Yeah, they are primarily a too high defense. So some of the stuff we talked about with Northwestern, where they're uh, they're playing cover four, they do a lot of matching, where that means the safeties and the the corners will follow their particular responsibility, even though it's a zone coverage. So it gives you the it gives you the flexibility of, of almost a man coverage in a zone defense concept. But my problem with that is a guy like Mike Yersich can say, okay, if I do this and your safety moves, I know that that's going to happen. And I'm going to have a giant void in the defense down the field that I'm going to attack. So it's, it's, um, I don't want to say it's high risk, high reward. I think that you've got to have really good coverage safeties and everyone's got to be dialed in and really smart at football. And everyone's got to have corner like skills and, no disrespect to West Virginia. They're not recruiting at that level. So, you know, it's just an interesting decision. And then you go on top of that and you have the scheme versatility with the players inside uh, the defense. So they have a th primarily a three down front and they have, I think they call it the bandit, which is kind of this hybrid linebacker edge rusher who last year was 235. And they play him at box linebacker bunch. And he's not, he's not a Micah Parsons type where he's a freak hybrid. He's a hybrid of, I don't know where to put him, so we're going to uh, hashtag toughness, and here's a guy who's 235 going up against a 320-pound offensive tackle. And he can win some of those reps, but if you want to see true ass kickings, watch this defense, watch this film. And the thing is, like their defensive tackles, for the most part, were what kept everything together from a run perspective and also from a pressure perspective. They will do anything and everything to confuse your offensive front slant stunt they'll exchange gaps um sometimes independently it seems of what they're supposed to do on a play and that because they had uh Devontae stills 55 from last year and i think antonio johnson was his first name but johnson number 95 those guys really held the front seven together because they play sometimes one linebacker in the box and their other linebacker is a 220-pound safety, who this year will be Lance Dixon, the former Penn State linebacker, who they call their spear position, another hybrid safety linebacker who is walking up and playing undersized. in the. Everyone's undersized in this defense. Everybody runs, but at a certain point, if you just play traditional football, I don't think they can match up with you, especially seeing as the, the strength of this defense, the players that were good, um, only Sam Martin, 91, the, the defensive end is coming back. 
the the reserves last year they really struggled when those reserve defensive linemen came into the game and those right now from what the defensive uh depth chart preseason was those are going to be their starters so um it's going to be a tough game if all of these things that they did last year translate directly to Penn State and Big Ten football that's more tr- more traditional. If you don't think Penn State is traditional, watch some Big 12 games and you'll see Penn State run some pretty traditional stuff. All right. Let's, it sounded like you talked about a lot about weaknesses. I thought you were going to give me a strength on the defensive line till you said they're not, those players aren't returning. So what is yeah. the strength of this defense? Is there one? So... So it is the schematic diversity and it is what they can do with their five, six safeties playing dime a whole lot is they can create some complex uh, coverages for the quarterback to throw into that Drew Aller probably hasn't seen and won't see again if he's not playing a big 12 defense. Just a a total tangent. I was watching Kansas State and uh, they run a three down front where they rush three all the time. So they have eight in coverage. So they can do incredibly non-traditional things of having cover four and then having a whole defender in the middle of the field. So they essentially have five deep players still gave up an 80 yard touchdown through double coverage, but they had five guys deep. Don't worry, Jim. Like they had enough deep <laughs> coverage players. They just couldn't cover. So that's the big 12 in a nutshell. Um, and that's another thing. West Virginia will drop eight. They will, you know, this is a, three down front that will rush three at times. They're not necessarily interested in getting to the quarterback through pressure. They want to disguise coverage. They want to make it hard on the quarterback to mentally process. So from that perspective, it is a bit of a test for Drew Aller coming out of the gate to understand what he's seeing and not make mental errors, be tight and be controlled with where he's throwing the football and not get fooled by the coverage. So that's, I think the, the major strength of the defense. And then as much as I, I, I downplay some of their, um, their coverage players, they do have a couple players that are good. Uh, number two, I apologize. I don't know his name specifically, but they're free safety, essentially a pretty solid player. If, if there's a guy you're going to say, would they build their defense off of like this? He's, he's there Tig Brown from what I can tell. Um, but more of a free safety, you know, playing, select slot coverage in certain situations, playing deep free safety um, and then being involved in the run game and they can throw numbers. The other thing I'd say is they can throw numbers anywhere. So if there's, when they are playing correctly, the defensive line is, is gumming up running lanes. They're uh, confusing or they're, they're holding their own up front. And then you've got all of these athletes running to the football. So where normally you'd have two linebackers that can ca- get caught up in the trash and they they're supposed to scrape over the top and attack, say it's a counter. They can bring a safety from seven yards deep and they can attack that. And so they have more fluidity in their run coverage to have suddenly you have three guys at the point of attack instead of one guy with the running back one-on-one in space. So they can do these things. And when they do them well, it can be frustrating. But if you run downhill at them, they tend to give up eight yards a carry. So can Penn State run downhill? Can the offensive line take that step and force them to drop a safety into the box? So that's the other thing is they play run defense from deep, trying to keep a lid on explosive passing attacks. If you force them to drop a safety, you have essentially uh, changed their defense where they have to, they have to remove a large section of their playbook and what they want to be able to do. So the run game is going to be paramount this first, uh, this first game, even if everyone knows that's coming, even if West Virginia knows that's coming and they're doing all these things to try and stop that. I think that, being able to run traditional stuff inside and force them to stack the box is going to give you the opportunities you want in um, passing situations. I also think, you know, just a 
kind of, you didn't ask this, but the slot, we just talked about that in the previous episode or in the previous segment, the slot's going to be very important, whether that's Theo Johnson or that's Keandre Lambert Smith, because remember in this defense, those are safeties lined up against your fastest or one of your fastest receivers and a six, four tight end that runs a four, a six, six tight end, excuse me. That's 260 pounds. that runs a four, five. So those guys I think are going to be a major focus of the passing game. Um, and that's going to come off of play action and, and having success in the run game. I think you answered my next question though, which was, so what's the game plan got to be starting with running the ball. I don't think it has to be. I don't think it has to start with running the ball because, uh, you can attack this defense deep with those vertical, um, those vertical plays that I was talking about. One of the things that, that Penn State should have and tried to do against Northwestern was when you run these safeties because they match void their zones by intent. So you run somebody up the left side of the field on a clear out route and you bring somebody from the other side of the field, Parker Washington on a deep crosser, Keander Lambert Smith this year, he's faster. He can run away from that guy. The rain is what caused that Northwestern to not happen this well as well. Penn State is an opportunity kind of for that same game plan here. Very good T Frank. That's going to be it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone kickoff show. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.